Well, my, my friend Paul Hewitt, at some time early in his life, set as his goal to climb the 49 high points in the United States. And over the years, he has accomplished this. Uh, this last year, for his 50th wedding anniversary, 40th wedding anniversary, he took his wife to Hawaii and he climbed the, the last 200 yards of the volcano, and that was his 49th state. And he claimed victory for having done this in every state. Now, some of those are arduous climbs. Hawaii, you can almost you can drive up on the volcano, but he he got out 200 yards short and then climbed the rest of the way. But to climb Mount Whitney, which is the highest point over 14,300 feet in the continental U.S., requires two days going up and two days coming down. If you're climbing the highest point in Delaware, it's in the middle of town at a cross-section of two streets. You have to wait for the light to change red in every direction. And you run over, you stand in the street for five seconds, and then you get the heck out of there before the traffic starts coming at you. And he's done that in 49 states. He's climbed King's Peak here, Mount Rainier, and every high point. Well, we all have high points in our lives, do we not? Those are our dreams and our goals. And when we, are, when we attain them, wow, we feel like we're standing on a mountaintop. And some of our goals are small, like Delaware. <laughs> and some of them are, are big, like climbing Mount Whitney. What are some of the, the goals or the dreams in your life that you're still seeking or maybe that you've attained that makes you feel like you're standing on a mountaintop. Anybody want to share? Participation. What about you, youth, way up in the balcony? What are your dreams and goals? What would be a high point for you that you're seeking? College. <laughs> Graduation. What else? Anything else? Get a job. Okay, now there's some high points for you. Have a career. How about you? What? What's a goal or a high point? For me, it was when I knelt down and hands were laid on me and I was ordained to be a pastor, a minister of word and sacrament. I never thought that I would do that. And the Lord blessed me. What about for you? A goal. Lim? To be a successful mother. Yes. Anybody else? Come on, be brave. What's a high point in your life? There's a baby being held up back there. All right, yes. Yes, to be a mother of twins. <laughs> okay, what was yours? Adopting two babies. Okay, yeah. High points. Other high points? You know that 
sometimes it's reaching the pinnacle of your career. Sometimes it, it might be reaching financial independence. Sometimes it, it just might be to faithfully serve your community, to be a scoutmaster or to be a head of a civic organization. And when you attain that, you feel good. It's a high point for you to complete service of some kind and to sense that it has been meaningful in other people's lives. I recognize that recently things have been slipping. That things are sort of going downhill. That the nest egg for retirement has lessened. Or your job has disappeared. Or your ability to become the best golfer on the golf course, if that was your goal, because you can't afford the club dues anymore. To get a job, to, to have a new career when they're laying off. I mean, this is going downhill, even if you've been on the top, at the high point in any area of your life. Right now may well be a time when you feel like you're sliding down the hill rather than going up the hill. We have moved from the certainty of prosperity in our lives to the uncertainty of tomorrow. And our lives are shaken. It's like Psalm 46, where the earth shakes and the sea waves and the very foundations of the earth are in tumult. Sometimes that's the way it feels. And yet, we who are faithful Christians need to be able to say that this isn't the final word. That this is but a blip in God's vast plan. And that we're going to be okay because God has been faithful and God is faithful still. And so there's two things that I want to talk to you about today. One is a word of hope. Because all we hear on the news is discouragement and bad news. All you have to do is turn on CNN and within two minutes you'll be depressed. And then a task that you can do, that you can use to help you be more connected to that word of hope. And so first, the word of hope. And we can see it in the transfiguration. That's maybe one of the places we can see most clearly how God is working. Because you have Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with three of His most faithful disciples. They've arduously climbed the hill. They've been sweating and they've been puffing and getting up towards the top. And it is there that the disciples witness this outstanding transformation where Jesus becomes whiter than white. It's as though I had taken the stole to the cleaners and it comes back so bright that you'd have to put on sunglasses to be able to watch and to see me today. And then appeared to them two people. One was Elijah. And Elijah had been about... 2,900 years before Jesus, or before today, about 900 years before Jesus. And Elijah had been the prophet of prophets. 
He spoke the word of truth to power to the kings of Israel. And in doing so, of course, he put his own life in peril. But Elijah was taken up by the power of God. And so in Elijah, we have the symbol of the promise of the coming Redeemer, the Messiah. And that is fulfilled in Jesus. Out of a time that was very difficult, a time when when the people had moved away from God and had stopped trusting God. God had given them the word of hope and demonstrated it as He took Elijah up as promised. And then also there was Moses. Moses who was the liberator from the Egyptian slavery and the lawgiver. A time when the people were without direction and needed to know about God's presence. To feel God. He gave them something tangible. And it was the law that was written on two stone tablets. In their time of need, they had to turn and to have something to hope for. And so, here comes Moses and here comes Elijah announcing that God is in this man and even the very voice of God announces, this is my son. Listen to him. Hear him. And that gave those followers of Jesus the hope that they would need as they moved into Lent to that time of Jesus moving towards the cross and His death and ultimately the victory of the open cave of Easter. You see how God has been faithful? Can you not trust such a God in, in your life? In modern times, I want you to think about uh, communist China. When communist China was taken over by Mao Zedong, he suppressed the church in a way that they had to go underground. Those of you who are older remember this well. The church all but disappeared. And yet, when those restraints were lifted some 30 or 40 years later, the church popped up again almost immediately because it had remained faithful to God. It had remained a church viable but underground. And when those church leaders would at, were asked, what book of the Bible helped sustain you the most during that time of suppression and oppression? You know what their answer was? It was the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation is not some voice about the future telling what is going to happen. But the book of Revelation is the promise of God. I want you to hear it in chapter 21. This is what God says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, dressed for her husband as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with human beings, and He will be with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Can we not trust such a God who is faithful at the times of need of those who were in the Egyptian slavery? Can we not trust a God who sent Moses to give the law in the time of needing of structure in their lives. Can we not trust such a God who gave us Elijah the prophet who spoke and spoke to the kings and the powerful folks? And the answer is yes. Yes, we can trust God. But then, how do we know that today in our own heart? This is called spiritual formation. It is how we form our spiritual connection with God and God's promises. It's easy to hear the words. He, God said, this is my son. Hear him. Listen to him. But it's not just passive, oh, he's saying words. I mean, it means really hear him. Because he, because he is speaking the words of life and hope that we all need. And we as a people of God need to be able to speak that word with authority to a world that is hurting today. A, a world where we see all that we have desired in our goals sort of slipping away. That the high peaks upon which we have stood or sought were rolling downhill and moving away from it. So the task is spiritual formation. It is reading the Bible and knowing God's Word, understanding the history and the background that these words stand for and that build up. Oh, it's, it's too easy to fall into slovenly habits of saying, oh, we'll let the preacher do the Bible understanding for us. But then... You only get just the surface and not the depth. And so the task that I challenge for you is that you engage in ways of connecting with God, be it Bible study and prayer, a faith-growing group, some way that you can connect more fully with God so that you can be an authentic witness. So, did you wonder why Paul Hewitt only climbed the 49 peaks? We have 50 states. 
And in a word, it's Denali, Mount McKinley, the highest place in all of our country. And he made a decision early on that it was too hard. It required technical equipment and skilled guides and stronger muscles as he aged and knew that he couldn't attend to that one. And so he's satisfied with the 49 states foregoing the 50th. But my challenge for you today is not to shy away from climbing Denali. Because you can gain the technical understanding about Scripture through study and prayer and through your spiritual formations. You can climb Denali for your life so that you understand that the promises of God are not empty words. But that indeed when you come to stand on the highest point, you're standing with God as Jesus did on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so, we shouldn't shy away from it, but we should seek to begin. And who knows, we may very well reach the peak of the highest mountain in our country, in the highest mountain in our lives, in the highest place to which God calls us as the people of God. Amen. Amen.